Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 60 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, today we have two guests for the price of one. Well, actually, since this podcast is free, I guess it's two guests for the price of none. Yeah, that's my attempt at, at humor. Okay, so maybe I'm not that funny, but my two guests today are both funny and entertaining. Now, later in the show, actor, comedian, wrestling podcast host, and former WWE writer, he's all those things, Matt McCarthy will be joining me. But first, he's very nice, very evil, and he's a participant in the Survival of the Fittest tournament where he will face Rhett Titus in a qualifying match. You know him. You love him. I think he's Dave Honor's favorite wrestler. He is, of course, Dan Housen. Dan Housen, welcome to the show. But of course, what is this? Yeah, you're paying Dan Housen for this, yes? You said uh, two for the price of one? Uh, something like that. I think Dave Honor is setting, uh, setting it up. Large sacks of uh, human money, I believe. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Dan Housen, that's what uh, Dan Housen needs to hear. Right. But don't, don't, don't call me about that. You deal with Dave Honor, okay? Okay, we shall try. Okay. Well, first, uh, Dan Housen, I wanted to say congratulations to you for being invited to compete in Survival of the Fittest because it's a very prestigious tournament, as I'm sure you know. Yes. Uh, so let me ask you this. What would it mean to you to win Survival of the Fittest and get a shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship? Oh, that's what it's for? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, then I just thought he was in his tournament to win some money or something. I don't know. Uh, yes, that sounds pretty good, too. If we win this tournament, we shall uh, be, what, ruler of the world, you said? Uh, something like that. Ring of Honor world champion, which that's, you would be the ruler of Ring of Honor, so to oh, speak. Oh, well, that's a start. Uh, how much is this thing worth? Uh, you know, I, they don't make me privy to those, to those details. Uh, huh? Not really sure. So, here's the new plan. Dan Housing shall win this tournament that you just informed Dan Housing about. Uh, and then he will take it to the pawn shop, get it appraised, and maybe if it's worth lots of money, we'll sell it. You would, you would sell the Ring of Honor World Championship belt? Well, yes, you already want it. If you sell it, uh, then no one can take it from you. Cannot lose it. I guess I, guess I never thought of it that way. Yes, it'll be uh, eternally Danhausen's. <laughs> well, do you think if you, if you win this whole thing and you become Ring of Honor World Champion, do you, th you know, the Ring of Honor World Champion has a lot of stroke, as they say in the company being champion you get some stroke do you think you'll finally be able to get that blimp ah the better then housing's been uh, led astray so far it's been lots of promises that have not been delivered and then housing needs the blimp also where the hell is this pt cruiser then housing needs a pt cruiser did you swear no hell is not a swear grow up yes <laughs> uh this is not a swear it is your location uh, so this, anyways, you've lost Dan Housen's brain. 
Uh, this PT Cruiser, there needs to be one at every arena. So Danhausen can drive it to the ring because there's Blimp is still not here. So we at least need uh, one of the famous PT Cruisers. Okay. Well, what I mean, most people just walk to the ring. Yeah, most people, not Danhausen. Danhausen's <laughs> not most people. Okay. Danhausen is a star. Well, that's true. I, I would not dispute that. You are certainly a star. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the man that you're going to face in this uh, survival of the fittest. You will have to beat this man to get to the six-man elimination match. And that man is Rhett Titus. Oh, yes. That's that, match, that, that match will be taking place in the next few weeks. But I did my research, uh, Dan Housen, and I saw that you guys have met one other time and Rhett Titus actually defeated you last year. Uh, that doesn't sound correct. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I looked Dan it up. I'm pretty sure he beat him fair and square. Pretty quick, too. About a minute. Oh, it must have been a misprint. Uh, yeah, probably so. Uh, yes, Dan Housen remembers this fellow. He's one of... Uh, Dave Honors, pure wrestle boys. That's right. Uh, what does he do? He wears a suit now. He wears a skeleton. Uh, yeah, seems like a nice fellow. Dan Housen's going to have to uh, rain on his parade, I think the expression is. Uh, what is you said Dan Housen wins this match. He has to wrestle again? Yes, the way survival of the fittest works, ah. there's, there's six what we call qualifying or round one matches. You against Rhett Titus, that's one of the six. Now, the okay. winners of those six matches, they all get together and have a six-man elimination match, and the last man standing in that match is the winner of Survival of the Fittest and gets the shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship. You know, this, this, this sounds like a lot of work, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, you win one match. You get paid for that. Now, you must win another match, which is like six matches in one. Do I get paid six times? Well, again, see, that's a question for Dave Honor. Uh, well, this sounds like a whole lot of work. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you this, because you mentioned Rhett Titus being a pure wrestler, and he is. He is a great pure wrestler. Uh, this is not a pure rules match, though. It'll be a standard oh. match. But with Rhett being pure yes. and yourself being evil, that seems like it could be bad for you, right? Because doesn't purity always conquer evil? You know, like no. when, when they sprinkle the holy water on, like, the possessed person, possessed by demons? No, usually the good ones laugh at them. And they say, this does not work. Also, uh, evil just means Dan Housen could uh, do evil things while this fellow has to abide by Dave Honor's little pure rules or whatever they are. Where he cannot touch the ropes with a burn his skin. Okay. But you, you generally play by the rules, don't you? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you don't want to be like uh, Brian Johnstone. guy that plays No, he cheats all the time. Right. He, he also, he cries about it, too. Oh, well, that's true. He does. Then has he may, you know, bend and break a rule here. Who knows? But he does not cry about it on the internet. And I appreciate that because... Uh, exactly. Yeah, Brian Johnstone does... Uh, he does cry a lot. You get this vein in his forehead. It is uh, quite menacing. It's distracting, if you will. Ah, so is that why you lost to him the last time? You were yes, Denhausen was looking at this uh, little vein in the middle of his forehead, his bald head, and it distracted Denhausen, and you know he slipped or whatever, and he lost. Also, the referee must have done a mistake and counted to three. You know, actually, these referees, Todd, if you will, 
They always make Danhausen lose. Danhausen's had quite a bit of it. It's wait, so it's the refer are they biased against you, the referees? Well, that- it would appear so because Danhausen seems to lose every match. <laughs> the referees are the one counting to three, yes. That's true. So it's Todd's fault. Well, you did beat John Stone once, didn't you? Uh yes. Yes. And you said you beat you said you beat Red Titus. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, those ones were Danhausen's doing, and the rest were Todd's fault. Okay. Well, maybe Todd, maybe it was uh, Joe Mandak was refereeing those matches. Who the hell is that? <laughs> well, that's when it's not Todd refereeing, it's, it's Joe Aren't Mandak. all their names Todd? I, I don't think so. I think Joe is the other. The other oh, one. well, maybe this is where the mistake comes in. Danhausen's been calling all of them Todd. <laughs> Well, yeah, that could be it. Maybe you, you made Joe Mandak angry. I, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting off track here. Oh, um, sure. Well, so the other big news, besides you being in survival of the fittest, is that you formed a tag team with PCO. Why did you choose PCO to be your tag team partner? Well, you know, Dan Housing was looking at the uh, hot up-and-comers on the independent circuit. You know, people just starting out trying to do their thing. And he saw this uh, large Frankenstein, Frankenstein, if you will, like fellow. Uh, and he thought, you know, let's give this kid a chance. So he wrote a letter to Dave Honor and said, let's bring in this new guy. Dan Housen believes in him. He thinks he can do some big things here. And, uh, you know, maybe he can beat up some people because he's pretty big for Dan Housen. So Dan Housen can win some championships and make more money and do whatever the hell Dan Housen does. Did you refer to PCO as a kid? Because I, I think he's one of our he's one of our older guys, I believe, on the roster. Oh no, he's How new. Has he found him? Uh, you know, at the shows. Huh. How old are he's you? Hanging out the back, trying to get on. You know, <laughs> right? You know how new people do it. Yeah, I think he's actually been around, but uh, you know, he this 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 prize that we were talking about earlier, the Ring of Honor World Championship, that the survival of the fittest winner gets a shot at that. You know, yes. PCO actually, he held that at one point. Are you sure? I'm pretty positive, yeah. Well, he did not disclose this information to Dan Housing, which means he shall be reprimanded. <laughs> how, how old are you exactly? Since you referred to uh, PCO as a kid, how old are uh, you? I don't know. Uh, in 30, 30 or so. In human years, okay. Yes, you know, about 30, 30. Okay, because I, I, I thought I saw something one of our graphics that you made your debut, your wrestling debut, and was it like 1993 or something? Oh, yes. It was September 7th or so, 1993. Okay. And you're, say you're 30 something now. You were very young when you made your debut. Oh, yes. Very young. Still quite old though and experienced. Very old at wrestling. Very old and good. Ah, So you were like a prodigy. Oh, yes, absolutely. Prodigy of being legendary. (laughs) Well, I'm going to stick with the PCO thing here for a second. Have you ever met Destro, PCO's creator? And and I'm just curious as to what Destro thinks about you teaming with his monster. This is the silver-headed man from the uh, hangs out with the Cobra Commander? No, no, you got the wrong guy, no. That's Destro. Destro. Nice fellow. Oh, what? Who is this? This one? Oh, the the fellow with the sunglasses. Hang yes. Yo. Uh, no, Dan Housing doesn't know him. He just electrocutes him all the time. <laughs> he, you always uh, see videos of this man electrocuting PCO. Seems like a bad time. 
Any idea what this black uh, goo that comes out of Destro's mouth might be? Uh, no, but one time, uh, have you ever heard of Papa Shango? Yes, I remember Papa Shango. He tried cursing Danhausen. Obviously, this did not work on Danhausen. But uh, his fellow members of his group at the time, the production, they all succumbed to some sort of black goo coming from their mouth. Maybe it's that. Maybe they ran into Papa Shango and he decided to curse them. I don't know. Okay. But you were impervious. to text Papa Shango. <laughs> but you were impervious to this. Is that, is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. Well, Danhausen's evil. Danhausen gives out curses left and right. Okay. You know, I thought I saw Papa Shango at the strip club one night with a bunch of girls, uh, loose women, I guess you might say. I, I don't know. Maybe I had him mistaken for somebody else, though. Maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. Papa Shango does whatever he wants. Wonderful fellow. Probably hangs out with people all the time. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Have, you know, uh, coming up with a name for a tag team, that's very important. You have to have a catchy name. So have you and PCO put your heads together and come up with a name? Uh, yes, we are the Rock and Sock Connection. I think that might be taken. By who? Whom? Sorry. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this guy. I've seen you, I believe, communicate with him on social media. This guy named Dwayne. Oh, yes, the Dwayne. He has that name? I believe... We'll have to ask him. We'll email him. Yeah, I believe he and this guy named Mick Foley at one point. Oh, wonderful fellow. Great friend of Dan Housing. Okay. So you're aware of these. You're aware of these guys, but you didn't know about the Rock and Sock connection. No. We were going to use this name, but now we must change our plans. What a... There's a fork in the road. Wow. Let me, uh, geez, let me, switch, let me switch gears. Um, you were on Conan O'Brien's podcast not that long ago called uh, Conan Needs a Fan. Yep. How, how did this come about? Because this was quite a, this was a big deal for you. Yes, it's a big deal for wrestling in general. No wrestler has been on Conan O'Brien, only Dan Housen. Maybe The Rock, The Rock has, but uh, John Cena uh yes what uh oh yes uh, the fan housings what they do they tweeted at dan housing one day as they do all the time dan housing super famous uh they said conan o'brien will answer one question from somebody so dan hasn't said sure he'll send in a question dan hasn't forgot about it uh time went on months and months and then he had an email from one of conan's assistants not sona uh, someone else and uh they said hello do you have time to do some questionies with the uh what is it, the producer? Do a video with him. And Dan Housen said, sure, why not? So they said, uh, we suggest you put on human makeup because we do not want to startle Conan during the first meeting. Dan Housen said, sure, sure thing. It's Hollywood, whatever. Use your CGI. So <laughs> that, Dan Housen met with the producer. They screened Dan Housen to make sure he wasn't a weirdo. He passed with flying colors. And then they said, oh, uh, they would like you to speak with Conan tomorrow. Are you available? And Dan Housen said, yes, absolutely. He had no idea he was going to talk to Conan until the day before. Well, that must have been, they did not tell Dan Housen what this was about. Well, that must have been very exciting for you. Oh, yes. Conan O'Brien, fellow legendary uh, talk show host and celebrity. Well, I'm glad you said that. Wonderful legends having a casual conversation. That's what I thought. When I, when I listened to it, that's exactly what I thought. Two was a wonderful legends having a ca casual conversation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Matt Gorley was there and Sona. Sona was there. Sure. Wonderful humans. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they didn't think you were a weirdo. No, not at all. Uh, they uh, 
what did Conan said? He uh, gives Dan Housing his blessing. Yes, yep. I just, go ahead. Pretty nice. Sounds pretty nice and evil to Dan Housing. For sure. I mean, I, I heard Conan say that he actually wants to be part of Dan Housing's world housing. He used yeah. housing a lot. He was housing things, which was wonderful because everything is about Dan Housing. Uh, yes, yeah, so we will try to get in touch uh, with uh, Conan's people, get Dan Housing's people to give them a call. Use the higher up power of Dave Honor. He owns a television, whatever station, should be able to do it. Well, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see some kind of collaboration. Well, maybe they should send Dan Housing to Hollywood. That's Dave Honor. On Dave Honor's dime. Yes, exactly. You know. You know exactly how it goes. Maybe uh, fly you there in the blimp. Oh, see? This is why Dan Housen keeps you around. Yes, now we're thinking. Yes, thank you. Well, you know, uh, Dan Housen, my next guest on this podcast, uh, after you're done, we're going to have a second guest. Oh. It's a guy named Matt McCarthy, and he's worked a lot. He has worked extensively with Conan O'Brien. Like, he's like... He's like this. You can't see me, but I'm putting like my two fingers together. Like they're like that. They're like that. Yes, that's it. Like, they're that close. Uh, does, uh, that doesn't make you jealous, I, I hope, that uh, he has this no, relationship. Perhaps this fellow can help Dan Housen achieve his goals. So that's what I was thinking. Maybe uh, he could be a sort of a, what do you call a go-between. Yes, but Dan Housen must befriend this person first. We cannot just use people. Dan Housen's not that evil. <laughs> Yes, but that would be. Perhaps yeah. you can uh, introduce us a second time and say, hello, this is Dan Housen, regular ordinary human, just like me. Uh, throw money at him. Put him on your television show. That might work. We shall try it. Okay. Put us in touch. All right. Well, I'll try, to, uh, I'll try to be the middleman to set that up so that Matt can be the middleman for you and Conan. Does that yes, make sense? That'll be wonderful. All right. Now, if I do that, uh, I'm, it's almost me sort of acting like an agent. Would I get uh, 10% of all of your future earnings if I did that? You'll get 2% and you'll be uh, happy with that. It will suffice. Okay. Well, sure. 2% is better than uh, 0%, which is what I have right now. Yes, exactly. See, you know, you're pretty smart. Oh, well, thank you. All right, well, this is going splendidly so far. This is going even better than I expected, Dan Housen. But we got to take our first break because, you know, Dave Honor's got to pay the bills. So we're going to take a yeah, quick break. Dan <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more with the very evil, very nice Dan Housen right after this. See you later. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the very nice, very evil Dan Housen. Everybody loves that Dan Housen. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, well, Dan Housen says it. Everybody says it. Also, 
How many people are tuning into this podcast only for the second half? What is happening right now? We took a break. You came back. You reintroduced Dan Housing. Is though it would be a whole new audience. Dan Housing doesn't understand. Yeah, that is kind of silly, isn't it? That that I'd have to reintroduce you. Dan Housing appreciates two introductions, but it is not necessary. Who is listening to only the second half of the second half of this podcast or the first half of this podcast or whatever is happening? Exactly. Who is fast forwarding through this to get to the, the second, second half? Now is an interview. This is bizarre. Exactly. Unless they were fast forwarding past you to get to Matt McCarthy's segment. That's the only thing I could think of. Oh my! You've insulted Danhausen. I'm sorry. All Give right. Me a joke. Please uh, don't put a curse on me or anything. Man, we shall see. We'll see <laughs> by the end of this if you get cursed or not. Oh, oh no. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, let me ask you about, uh, I want to go back to a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Dwayne. Oh, uh, yeah. Dwayne, good friend of yours on social media. Um, is he going to put you in one of his movies, perhaps? Do you have any interest in acting? Oh, my. You're telling Dan Hansen he's going to be in Jumanji 3? I'm not telling you that. Perhaps Rampage 2. Perhaps, uh, what is the other ones he does? Fast and Furious. What about Doom? Maybe Doom 2. Oh, we could do Doom too. That would be fine. Yes, well, Dan Housen will uh, give him a call. Yeah, Dan Housen would love to be in one of Dwayne's movies. Uh, everyone go tell who's listening right now. Uh, just tell Dwayne. Maybe it'll happen. Who knows? Be like, hello, uh, work out with Dan Housen. That way we become friends. Uh, and then we'll get, you know, better friends. We're already very good friends. Right. But, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. So we discuss energy drinks and PT cruisers and such and... Uh, future film roles for Hollywood. Now, I'm just thinking, if you were to do any roles, any movie roles with, uh, with Dwayne, I, I guess you couldn't, if you're acting, you can't play yourself. You would have to put on that uh, human makeup, right? That, uh, oh, probably. But, you know, they put makeup on everybody. So they would just, Dan Housen would wake up, head over there. We'd probably leave off this red that Dan Housen adds, maybe some of the spikes. Because we only, Dan Housen only adds, you cannot see because Dan Housen is, is the podcast. Dan Housen only does makeup. It is only this little red under his eyes and he adds a couple of spikes to his face and we're good to go. Huh, okay. I'm just curious. When you sleep, do you sleep in a bed or do you sleep in a coffin? What the hell? Why would he sleep in a coffin? Dan Housen's not dead. <laughs> Sleeps in a bed. Okay. <laughs> this is preposterous. What, who's, who's writing these questions? You... <laughs> But aren't you like, uh, what, aren't you some kind of demon? I mean, you're what? so... Who told you? I, this, uh, this is, no! This Dan Housing's a regular person. Like oh. you. Just evil. I see. Yes. Regular, ordinary person. What the hell are you talking about, demon? See, I thought you were like from, uh, you know what? My researchers must have given me some bad information. I thought you were like from outer space or something. What? A demon from outer space? Who said yeah. this? might have been Quinn McKay. I don't know. Well, we shall, uh, what is it? Uh, garnish her checks. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, just twist them, the routing numbers to Dan Housing's bank mm. for this mistake. You seem very consumed with money. Uh, well, who isn't? That's a good point. Yes, Dan Housing, you know, it buys things. It buys evil things. It buys nice things. Uh, money is power. Also, what is it? Uh, what is he saying? Money is the root of all evil? Yes. So, it would appear Danhausen's very evil. Money is very evil. Danhausen must have all of it. 
See, that's a lot of evil, though. So where does the very nice part come in, though? Uh, when necessary to get what Danhausen wants. Oh, see, that also sounds very evil. As, uh, as secret evil. Don't tell anybody about this. It is secret evil. Okay. All right. Well, luckily, a lot of people don't listen to this podcast. Make sure to CGI that part out. It is a secret. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll tell Brownie in production to, uh, to take that out. Brownie! Just do the Danhausen biddings. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I don't think he can resist you. Uh, let me, uh, since we were talking about movies, this is something I've been wanting to ask you. You seem like you would be a horror movie fanatic. Am, am I right about that? You oh, like yes. Lovely films. Danhausen loves them. What would be some of your favorite horror movies? Uh, let's see. Uh, American Werewolf in London. Mm. That one is wonderful. Has a nice little twisted humor to it. It is very nice, very evil, if you will. Uh, what do we have? Evil Dead 2. All of them are great. Dan Housen loves those. The Army of Darkness films. Sam Raimi, wonderful director. Dan Housen would love to work with that fellow. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, Alien. That one's pretty good. You said Dan Housen's from space, which is not true. But, you know, that one's pretty good. Has a big, wonderful xenomorph. What else is Dan? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2. Mm. Wonderful films. Dan Housen loves them. Uh, Exorcist. Uh, Halloween. John Carpenter. Speaking of, we need to get Dave Honor to pay John Carpenter to make a theme song for Dan Housen. Wow, that would be awesome. Yes, or Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman is nice, too. Hmm. So we shall work on that. All right. Uh, yes, Dan Housen loves horror films. Day of the Dead is wonderful. What about Night of the Living Dead? Uh, that one's good, too. But the makeup, the makeup and effects in Day of the Dead are the best. Ah, okay. Well, you mentioned The Exorcist because, you know, there's a, there's a guy in The Exorcist. The, what was his name? Pazuzu or... He, he reminds me very much of, there, there's like a quick cut of him. Yes, yes, I, I, don't, I, I can see you. I don't know, but we're, we're on a podcast. People podcast, can't just look at this. Yes, I don't know if they can see this coming through their, uh, whatever they're listening to this. They're listening to this. But uh, yeah, that, you know, I, I saw, the first time I saw you, it kind of shocked me. It scared me a little bit because I thought of that scene in The Exorcist that frightened me so much. Oh, yes, it frightened Dan Housen too. Wonderful fellow, Pazuzu. Uh, Actually, Dan Housen was on Team Pazuzu Housen with Chris Dickinson, who is now in Violence Unlimited once. We did a little teaming of our own. He has, a, he has that fellow on his knee pads. It's quite wonderful. So you're, you're friends with, uh, let me make sure I got this right, Brody King uh, and Chris Dickinson. Is that right? Oh, yes. Wonderful fellows. You know, we fought a few times, but that's what happens with friends. You fight. Why are you not in uh, Violence Unlimited? I'm, I'm curious to ask. I don't know. You tell Danhausen. Do some research on that. Figure it out. Danhausen is very violent, very evil sometimes, so it could have worked. But you nevertheless, Danhausen wishes them the best. Hmm. Okay. Great violent people. I saw recently on social media that you reached out to Macaulay Culkin. Oh, yes. He said, well, What's uh, up with that? Well, have you ever seen the film Home Alone? Uh, yeah, I think everyone's seen that film, yes. Well, it is a wonderful film, year-round uh, film, that Dan Housen watches every month. And uh, what is it? Oh, yes, it's just quite wonderful. And also, he seems to like wrestling. 
So Danhausen would like to do some sort of uh, video content with him. It'd be nice. Hmm. You know, he did a couple of... Go ahead. Yeah, now he could maybe teach Danhausen how to do some evil traps or something. I don't know, to win some matches. Trick hmm. these referees. You know, he was very evil in a movie called The Good Son. Did you happen to see that? Oh, yes. He was quite evil in that. Wonderful fellow. <laughs> He's pretty evil in that other movie, too, though, Home Alone. Oh, really? I thought he was... Uh... Yes, he puts a spider on people's faces. He smashes them with paint cans. Should probably kill someone. Yeah, but they were trying to uh, invade his home, I believe. I, I, I think that's justified. Or were they trying to celebrate Christmas with him? Christopher, Massachusetts. <laughs> I guess that's a if different... They knew he was home alone. They were trying to bring him a fresh turkey for Christopher, Massachusetts, so he was not alone. <laughs> he did not give them a chance. Okay. All right. Let me move on to something else. Um, okay. During the 19th anniversary show back in March, uh, you were tweeting uh, back and forth with uh, CM Punk and Kenta. Oh, yes. About the GTS, right? What, what, what was that all about? Well, so Dan Housing does the go to sleep. Uh, he was calling it the good night housing at the time. And that is Dan Housing's finishing maneuver because it seems very effective via both of these fellows. Uh, won many championships with it, both of them. And so Dan hasn't started using it because, eh, why not? And uh, he respects both of these, these fellows. So, you know, going to do this move. No one does it at Ring of Honor. And uh, no one really does it on the independent scene. So Dan hasn't uh, thought it was up for grabs. And what is, oh yes, he tweeted it. And a CM Punk fellow, he said, uh, it's yours which was wonderful because that means he bestowed it upon Dan Housing as his new finisher. And then uh, he said, but the other guy seems to get mad at it. Then it turned out to be Kenta, who was, uh, said, anybody could use this move except for you, which was to uh, the CM Punk fellow, not Dan Housing. Not so how Dan Housing looked at it was he got blessings from both of them. Hmm. Okay. Because I guess a cynic would look at it as Kenta came up with the move, CM Punk stole it from him, and then you stole it from CM Punk. Well, so, the reason Dan Housen does it is because that's who he saw do it first. Hmm. So, the only reason Dan Housen does it is because the CM Punk did it. Then he saw that Kenta was the one who originated it. So, it is no slight against Kenta. That's just Dan Housen knew who CM Punk was when he was uh, learning about this wrestling stuff. I see. And so then he discovered the other wrestlers. I see. So I'm just curious, if you came up with this really cool finishing maneuver that no one else did, yes. and then other people started using it as their finisher, would you look at that as a, as a compliment? You know, the imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, or would you be angry that they stole from Dan Housen? Uh, well, I believe it would be in certain scenarios, like if you're in different, totally different companies or whatever, uh, that, you know, it's probably some sort of flattery. Hmm. Okay. Unless you are just taking every single thing that they do. Yes. Then it becomes theft, identity theft. Yeah, that would be, that's, uh, I think we call that in the business, I think we call it gimmick infringement. Oh, okay. Well, we shall look into that. Okay. Do you know any gimmicks? Do you know anything about gimmicks? No, what is that? Uh, never mind. Don't worry about okay. it. No, Dan has never heard the word. Okay. Well, speaking of gimmicks, uh, Let's talk about merchandise because oh, let's do it. You, my friend, 
Dan Housen, you are a merchandising machine. I think another guy that wears makeup, Gene Simmons, you may have heard of him, Gene Simmons of Kiss. He has Warhorse likes that. What's that? Warhorse, you've heard of him? I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a buddy of yours. Yes, he loves him. Yes. I also love Kiss, my favorite band. Very good. You like Kiss. Ah, uh, Dan hasn't heard some songs here and there of them. Okay. Dan Eisen does not listen to music too often, though. Really? Surprised. No, Dan Eisen watches horror films. Okay. All right. Uh, now, where was I? Oh, yes. Gene Simmons of Kiss. He is, he is a, a merchandising genius. So, you know, he said one time, uh, because Kiss, they will put that logo on anything. He actually ah. put the Kiss logo on a line of condoms okay. and, cas and caskets. Oh, that's very evil. Yes, and Gene said, we will get you coming and going. What does that mean? Uh, well, let's, we'll, we'll just skip it. We'll skip oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, Dan Ozen endorses this wonderful uh, merchandising everything. It seems quite smart. Dan Ozen has his own coffee. He's got his own comic book. He's got a micro brawler, which is a little action figure. All of these things have done swimmingly. I saw that. I saw that you have your own line of coffee now. Yes. How did this come about? So sometimes Dan Housen is asked to come uh, learn things. Davis will set up appointments, Dan Housen's assistant Davis, and he'll take camera boy Nick with him, and we'll go and we'll learn how to do new things, like uh, comic book stores or whatever the hell they are. And, uh, what did we do? We learned how to do the pro wrestling tea store, where they did not let Dan Housen take his own t-shirts free of charge. Called him a thief. Nevertheless, Dan Housen was asked to come learn how to make coffee. So, as he did so, what did we do? We learned how to make coffee, and then they surprised Dan Housen. They had a bag of coffee housing. So, we made it. And then they said, uh, Dan Housen said, you know what? We could probably make lots of monies with this. And people like coffee. Dan Housen likes coffee, energy beans, if you will. So, let's give it a go. And now we are almost at 500 bags sold in less than a month. And we are uh, doing big things with it. Big news coming soon. Ooh, okay. Well, you, wanna, you don't want to give me the scoop right now, do you? Ah, the sun is in Dan Housen's eyes. Uh, what is it, scoop? We're not selling ice cream. <laughs> no, you know, scoop, like insider information. Like ah, well, we don't know when we can talk about this, but Dan Housen can allude to it. Ah, okay. All right. Cryptic, cryptic tweets, if you will. Yes. Where you yes. allude to things, and then uh, they fall through and it don't happen. So we shall wait. So you just mentioned the sun being in your eyes. Are you like immune or not immune? Are you, uh, do you have to like uh, stay out of the sun? Is this like a vampire type thing? Like, ah, no, what? Then it's not a vampire. What the hell are you talking about? Well, I mean, you can be in the sun. That, that's okay. Yeah, clearly, look at this. Listeners, look at Dan Housing in the sun. Well, I mean, you're so, you're so pale. I would think you would burn and not tan. Oh, no. It's, uh, that's what the reflective red is. Oh, I back at itself. Oh, that make once again that makes perfect sense. You ever see football? They do it. I have seen football. Yes, it's a program on television. Yes, I believe they put black eyeliner, black under their eyes, though not red. Generally, uh, Dan Housen's a trendsetter. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we move on from the coffee, I have, have you ever considered switching to decaf? No. What? Why would we do that? It's evil. Too evil. Ah, maybe make you a little more mellow, perhaps. But then, as it's the most mellow, most mellow fellow there is. Hear that? 
Learned that from Dr. Seuss. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, here's something else. This might be controversial, but here's something I, I have to ask you because I am a legitimate journalist, uh, uh, Dan Housen, and yes. I, I, can't, I have to ask the tough questions. I can't just, this can't be all softballs here, okay? I saw this independent wrestler. Who, he called himself Donovan Danhausen. And he seemed to have the same tattoo, the same chest tattoo that you have. Now, can you explain this? Well, seems some sort of, we talked about identity theft earlier. Perhaps when Danhausen was asleep, there was some sort of multiplicity that happened. You ever seen The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? I've seen that one and the original one as well. Yes, with Vincent Price. What? Uh, so help, maybe... Help me, help me. Hmm. This seems to be... This is quite puzzling. <laughs> Fellow is committing fraud, going around using Dan Housen's wonderful last name for fame and fortunes. I don't know. Dan Housen must have been cloned, like he said, multiplicity earlier. When he wasn't paying attention, someone must have done that, thought it would uh, be a good time to capitalize on Dan Housen's name and sent this fellow out there. We shall look into this. Do we have a legal team? I believe we do, yes. Well, then we shall use it to figure out and get to the bottom of this. This menace is going around and sullying the name of Dan Housen. Okay, because, again, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, stir the pot here. Not the, you know, the coffee pot, since we mentioned yeah. coffee. Uh, you know, you're a comic book fan, so you know how Batman and Bruce Wayne were never seen in the same place at the same time. Yes. My sources have told me that Danhausen and this guy Donovan yes. have never been seen in the same place at the same time together, next to each other. What are you insinuating? Well, I think you know what I'm insinuating. Oh, yes, Danhausen gotcha. You're insinuating that he is terrified of running into Danhausen in the alleyway <laughs> uh, because he'll be pummeled. And then he'll be, you know, he'll no longer be a thing. There'll be no longer be a number two running around. <laughs> that must be what you're saying, saying yes? Um, sure, let's go with that. Then, well, that sounds good. I'd be terrified of me too if I ran into me in a dark alleyway, crime alley of Batman. What are you talking about, Batman? We're talking about Batman? Yes, yes. You know, Batman and, and Bruce Wayne never seen together. What if they were, though? But I mind-boggling. Well, I don't think it's possible. But you, did you watch the old 1966 Batman series? Oh, yes. Quite wonderful film. Because, you know, there was one time when Batman and Bruce Wayne were together, but it was Alfred the Butler wearing the Batman costume standing next to Bruce Wayne. Do you remember? So, yes. So what you're saying is Dan Housen should get a butler. Yes. That is exactly what I'm saying. This is a pretty good idea. And then that way the butler can beat up this fellow, this uh, Donovan Danhausen fellow, uh, if he runs into him in an alleyway. I don't know what Batman has to do with this, though. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, those are all the questions I have for you today, uh, uh, Danhausen. Is there anything that you would like to say? Any final words to all the, uh, the Fanhausens? Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, thank you all for being fan housings. Dan Housen cannot wait to see you all at live and in person. That'll be quite nice. And uh, yes, uh, give Dan Housen the television championship. Just give it to him. He's the most famous wrestler. He's friends with Conan and Pepsi Man and uh, The Rock. 
you know, so on and so forth. John Cena. Uh, so, oh, you know, oh, fam- Vulcan, perhaps? famous Hollywood star. You just hand it to Dan Housen. We'll do a ceremony. We'll have a wonderful time. Okay. And before I let you go, also, uh, I know you have a ton of things you'd probably like to plug. Oh, yes. We can plug things here. You can plug them. Yes. All right. Well, go to for Dan Housen's wonderful exclusive content with interviews and such. Cooking shows, review shows, movie reviews, patreon.com slash love that Dan Housing, uh, youtube.com slash love that Dan Housing, pro wrestling slash Dan Housing, where Dan Housing will surely be the number one seller of the year this year. And uh, what else? Oh, cameo.com slash Dan Housing, where Dan Housing will send a message to your neighbor telling them go to hell. <laughs> or up yours. Watch, watch uh, Ring of Honor, where Dan Housing is at. Yes, don't forget to plug the company you work for. Dan Housing just did it. You saved the best for last. Do you, do you ever tell the fans up yours on these cameos? Oh, yes. Sometimes they pay Dan Housing to say that. Hmm. Interesting. Quite strange, but Dan Housing, nevertheless, will do so. That's right. You don't need to ask questions. Just give you the money and you'll say, you'll say whatever. Yes, but no swearing. But no swearing. Okay. Well, Dan Housing, thank you for uh, taking time out of your, uh, your busy schedule, doing uh, very nice and very evil things. Very famous things, too. Very famous things. Uh, it, was, it was quite a pleasure to speak with you, sir. Yes, thank you for having Dan Housing on your wonderful uh, television show. That's a podcast. But... Whatever it may be. Okay, all right. We'll be right back with Matt McCarthy after the short break. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, here to tell you about shophonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, shophonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. Welcome back to the RRH Strong Podcast. My next guest is an actor, a comedian. He's the host of, or one of the hosts of the We Watch Wrestling Podcast. And he's a former colleague of mine on the WWE creative team. He is, as Mean Gene Okerlund would say, my close, longtime personal friend, Matt McCarthy. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Kevin. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm so pleased that you joined me today. Where Are you speaking to me from your palatial estate in, uh, in Los Angeles? That's right. I'm speaking to you from deep in the archives of the Arena McSee uh, back office and uh, in beautiful scenic downtown Van Nuys, California. Well, I hope you're staying out of the sun because I imagine the sun is not your friend. Uh, luckily it's a nice overcast day. Suddenly I'm turning into David Lynch. It's a nice overcast day and it's going to burn off pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm staying put. That's for sure. And I caught a cold from my kid. You know, it's like we're in lockdown for over a year. So then it's like, okay, you can go back to school. <laughs> and he comes back with a friggin' runny nose. 
that's the thing about kids, right? I mean, you love them, but they're like little disease factories, right? They always bring home the, the, the colds, get, get everybody Ugh. sick. Ugh. I hope that's Ugh. not contagious. <laughs> you remember one time, oh, we're going to tell some old WWE stories for sure, but do you remember, I don't know if you were in the meeting, one of the booking meetings with Vince up in his office, and, you, you know, all the stories like people have heard are true about you can't sneeze and you can't cough. Were you in the room? I don't, I don't think you were, but. No, I had, never went to the booking meetings. I was at the production meetings at TV, though. You did do a couple of the booking meetings, though, didn't you? It, it, Vince's office in Stanford? Yeah. Never. No. Oh, never. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so you weren't there. But anyway, I had, I was sick and I had this sore throat. I had this tickle in my throat. You know how right. it is when you know you need to cough? But like, I'm 10 feet away, not even 10 feet away, five feet away from Vince McMahon. And I know not to cough. So I have a bottle of water in front of me. And I'm like sipping the water, sipping the water, trying to compress that cough. Finally, I couldn't let it go anymore. The worst horrible cough you can imagine. (laughs) Everything stops. Everyone looks at me. Vince turns to me with this look of utter disgust on his face and says, God damn it. What is that? Tuberculosis? <laughs> and then I just, you know, sorry, sir. Excuse my, sorry for this normal human uh, thing called coughing. Uh, but, you know, Ugh, those were the weak. great days, weren't they? Oh, the good old days, Kev. Good old oh. Well, before we go any further, um, uh, let's, let's introduce people to, to who you are, for, uh, you know, for those who don't know. Uh, you're one of those guys that is like in people's living rooms all the time and they, they may not know your name, but uh, you've been in a bunch of famous commercials, I guess probably best known for the uh, cable installer in the Verizon Fios commercials. Uh, but you've also done a, a, a whole bunch of, I know you did a progressive commercial. Uh, uh, speaking of that, tell me the truth. Is, is Flo, is she difficult to work with? I mean, is she like a real, <laughs> is she like a real diva? I mean, not not like the divas we used to work with in WWE, who were all lovely people. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. Uh, no, she's uh, she's the tops. Um, she was, and it was actually God, we shot that the day before the NBA shut down. Um, yeah, I was in a progressive spot with Flo, where I play uh, Jean Jean, the uh, celebrity hand model judge. Right. Um, and uh, so, so I was, I was very, you know, grateful that that started running, you know, towards the end of the uh, uh, 2020, because it was just like, you know, things shut down. And it's like, oh, no. And then immediately, I'm sure you remember, commercials started being very, uh, we're all in this together now more than ever. And it's like, please just run funny commercials again so I can <laughs> feed my kid. <laughs> Right. All of a sudden, don't need the funny guy at that point, right? Need the oh, serious. yeah. Okay. So funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, no, she was great. We were actually, because you mentioned the uh, the Verizon Fios spots I was in like like 10 years ago now. Um, yeah. uh, more. Jeez. Um, the, uh, the spot, those ran, they, they started in summer of 08 and ran until, uh, you know, maybe first quarter of 2010 and uh but they ran all the time and uh there was a what was it i think the wall street journal maybe 
did an article, a big spread about comedians in commercials. And so I'm in the, in the article, uh, she was in the article. And then, um, my old friend Pete Holmes was the voice of the, uh, E-Trade baby or, or some, some baby on TV, um, on commercials. And so then the, above the, you know, the, 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 the title of the newspaper was like a, like a splash for that article. And it's a picture of me and Stephanie right next to each other. And so, um, and that was the first time we had met, you know, last year when we shot the spot. So I, I, I was like, I don't know if you remember being in uh, the Wall Street Journal, like uh, around the time that this campaign started, because she's been doing my, the cable guy spots and flow the insurance lady spots. They started the exact same time. Okay. And then mine, we did it for about like two years and then never got a clear answer on why we stopped doing them. I think, you know, corporate heads changed and the, the, the head of whoever was like, why are we doing funny commercials? Yeah. Why would you do a funny commercial? Who, who, who wants to watch a funny commercial? Let's, let's just overload people with facts and numbers. Funny yeah, does yeah, not yeah. equal money, right? Ugh, money's not money. And then, uh, so, uh, so they stopped doing that. And, and that was the other thing I heard that the guy was like, uh, cable guy, he, he makes people, uh, he looks, he makes our guy look bad makes people want to have cable, which I would never tell them this, but since it's been a cool decade, people would come up to me on the street and be like, hey, we don't like that other guy. We like you. We're going to stick with cable. (laughs) Which is such an easy fix. They should have had my character sell out and join, you know, Fios, and then suddenly I'm, you know, we're Laurel and Hardy. Exactly. You know, it's just these, it's just a simple... Flip the script on them, as we would say oftentimes in the WWE creative writer's room, you know? Well, that's just like, that's booking 101 right there, right? It's booking 101. Yeah. Turn him. Turn him baby face. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well. When you were doing those uh, those Fios commercials, Verizon Fios, mm-hmm. Cable Guy, did you get stopped on the street? Were people like, I know you? Was it one of those things like, I know you, but I can't place you? Or did they know? Oh, right yeah, there? all the time. Yeah. All the time. And, and as, you know as I've continued to do things, it's always been something or another. It's, it's, it's wild when somebody knows you from something that it's like, it's not the, because the typical things are, I mean, nobody brings up those commercials anymore because it's been so long, but like I did a lot of college humor videos that, you know, people will, will remember me from like me and Pete Holmes did Batman videos where I was commissioner Gordon and essentially every villain, you know, that we did a Batman video with. Um, then I was in a jeggings sketch where I'm a teacher who's upset that the students are wearing jeggings and it keeps heightening to the point where they're wearing, you know, basically no clothes in the classroom. <laughs> and then the other one that, that, that got some, some decent views was um, I played Nick, Nick Cage's agent. Um, and I keep calling him. I'm like, I'm like, Nick, you need to, need to pass on this this role and he keeps taking you know uh more and more ridiculous movies um and we did like some permutations of that where i was you know like chris brown's publicist or scarlett johansson's publicist or you know stuff like that but it's like people either know or they can't figure it out or they're just like uh, (laughs) or, or or they have such a like they're they're so dim 
that they're just like, why are you trying to be Louis C.K. or Bill Burr? And it's like, yeah. no, you're just thinking of someone who has red hair. You're, <laughs> you're not smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, people, I'm sure, think they know you from something because you do have a distinctive look. I mean, you're not like generic yeah. commercial actor. You know, you do have the red hair and the, the beard and, and you definitely stand out. So I guess that's one of the reasons why people always, you know, they know, hey, I know that face. I know it from somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Probably not from your cameo appearances on WWE television when you were. What, what was your first appearance, like delivering flowers to Caitlin or something like that? Uh, yeah, I was a delivery guy on um, the Valentine's Day episode in 2012 of NXT Redemption. I was delivering flowers uh, for Bateman or to Bateman um, and Johnny Curtis, you know, also known as Fandango. Uh, took them and accepted them or I don't remember the whole ins and outs but it was uh, yeah I mean because we, we always talked about it and it felt like if I had if I had stayed um, on because I because I wound up quitting I did two runs at WWE and I quit at the end of of 2012 but if I had stayed on we talked it's one of those things where like ideas get kicked around and joke ideas get kicked around and the joke ideas if they get kicked around long enough like, it's like, well, we could actually make this work. And, and if I'd stayed on long enough, at some point, I would have probably been on screen as Seamus's uh, loser brother, who, like, has, like, a drinking problem and a gambling problem and, yeah. and like, keeps, like, running his mouth and getting Seamus into, like, situations where now he has to be in a match with somebody that I pissed off. Yeah. Um, and we we often referred to this character as Lamus. <laughs> It'd be right. like Seamus and Lamus. God, I, I just bringing back the memories. I remember that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You but hey, never say never say never, pal. Show me the stone. We could do it to, this week. Never say never. Mm, what, a, <laughs> what? Where's Seamus and all this? He should have a loser brother. Yeah, some doughy fat guy with a beard. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If Big Dick Johnson got over as a character, you, my friend, could have gotten yeah. Lamus over. There's no question Lamus. in my mind. Absolutely. All right. So I was on your, uh, even though we've known each other for, for years, I was, uh, I was on your IMDB page today just to see if there were some, some nuggets I could pick up that maybe I didn't know. And uh, this is something I hadn't seen before. And I don't know how old this quote is, but the New York Times describes you as a John Belushi-like madman. Now, is True. that in reference to your comedic style, or is it, or do you do a lot of blow? <laughs> uh, no, never touch the stuff. Thank okay. God. Um, I that is specifically in reference to a uh, a commercial uh, that we made, and we, I mean, Pete Holmes and Oren Brimmer and myself um, have uh, for many years been a collective making uh videos called front page films and which you know once a year at the super bowl i assume they still do it doritos has the um what is it called crash the super bowl contest uh where it's you know they have regular people fans um make a doritos commercial homemade commercial and then they pick their favorite i don't know five and 
it comes down to uh, two finalists that then get played during the Super Bowl. And that must have been like the second year, I think, that they did it. Um, and we actually got picked. We did a spot called Doritos Beer. Originally, it was Doritos Scotch, <laughs> where, <laughs> where it's, uh, I'm pitching to executives, you know, I, I give you Doritos Scotch, and it's a Doritos made with real single malt scotch and i'm just like i keep eating the doritos and it cuts to the executives and they're like that's a terrible idea and it cuts back to me and now i'm just in tidy whities my suit is gone and my hair is disheveled and i'm screaming you don't know me and uh the 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 fine people at pepsico or whoever you know frito-lay i guess that's it's all the same thing uh we're like we love your commercial but we can't do you know, we can't have him essentially drinking hard alcohol in a commercial, uh, even though it's clearly a joke. So they were like, if maybe it was Doritos beer, that might be cool. And so we just kind of reshot it very quickly with that. Um, but yeah, the uh, so we got to go to Florida and stuff and we got to go down to the Super Bowl. I forget, you know, this is typical me. I don't, I don't, I think the Steelers were in this particular Super Bowl, but I know for sure this is the Super Bowl where Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band played the halftime show. Okay. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, some, somebody get Michael Cole on the phone. Um, <laughs> big Boss fan. But yeah, but that was the New York Times reviewed the commercial and that was their description of, you know, it cuts back to McCarthy who transforms into a, a Belushi-like madman. And I'm like, well, whatever. I this is a quote about me. I know it's in reference to something very specific, but I'm taking this quote and I'm using it for the rest of my life. The New York times said I am a Belushi like madman. Cause exactly. that's just, yes. And oh. why, why wouldn't you, of course you context in this, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, no, no, it doesn't matter. They, they compared you to one of the great comic uh, uh, geniuses of all time. So absolutely. I applaud you for, for, for using that. But, you know, when you mentioned in this commercial that you're uh, disheveled and your tidy whities and hair's messed up, and I, I, I think I saw you a few times like that on the road back when we were in WWE. Oh, absolutely. Dean Malenko once said to me, why do you always look so disheveled? <laughs> he goes, what's going on with you, kid? Are you on gimmick? <laughs> <laughs> the best, though, was uh, one day at the end of TV, Seamus came in the writer's room for whatever, and he goes, uh, he goes, ah, and he, I could tell, we could all tell he was about to say something. He goes, ah, I don't want to say it. And I, I'm on the edge of my seat. I go, no, no, please say it. Please say it. He goes, well, you know what you look like, Matt? You remember when Kane took his mask off for the first time? <laughs> I loved it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, the best. The can best. We, can we tell the story where you showed up at a production meeting about i don't know you tell me an hour late maybe more and look uh, like yeah you had just <laughs> literally you're wearing a suit because we all had to wear suits uh for the yeah. production meetings uh you show up looking like you in your suit had just jumped into a swimming pool uh dayton ohio i still to this day uh when they're in dayton i'll 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 typically get a text from Kirsch or, or or Nick or somebody, but um, it's uh, it, it always gets brought up. 
on whatever they're in Dayton. Um, there is, uh, I, I can't think of the name of the, the hotel or the arena or the, the college campus, but it's like, it's just a, a small little triangle of these, these three places. And it was, uh, I don't know if it was Raw or SmackDown, but uh, it was it was a situation where we were leaving from that show. So I had my luggage with me. And I'll never forget, I remember leaving the hotel. The last person I saw in the lobby was Cody Rhodes. And he's signing some stuff. There were some fans waiting for him. And he looks at me and goes, hey, I'll see you over there in a minute. <laughs> so. I go out and I'm using a GPS, right? And I'm like, oh, it's taking me to the college campus. The, oh, this must be uh, uh, some some sort of, uh, uh, you know, because lots of times there's, you know, it's an arena is on the college campus, you know, sure. it's no, right. nothing strange. Nope. And um, I walk into the college campus and I'm walking around and I get to where um, this arena is supposed to be. And it ain't. It, it just simply is not. There's nothing worse when you hear on your GPS, you have arrived and you look around oh. and you're like, I don't see Dude. it. Dude. So uh, I start asking kids who are walking to school and I'm like, hey, do you know where the... Uh, you know, the such and such a, a arena is. And they're like, uh, no, no, I don't know what that is. And, and, and now I'm starting to get pissed. I'm looking for the Nutter Center. That's what it is. I'm looking for the Nutter Center. And I'm like, what, how do the, what, how do you, you like you, you live here. How do you not know where this, <laughs> what? So I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm walking. And I guess, um, I guess I'm, I'm maybe it, maybe it's Wright State University. I don't know. I'm trying to Google this as I'm telling the story, but you know, the guys who are still on the road would be able to tell it better, at least location wise. At any rate, I start walking all the way through the way, campus. Sorry to interrupt. It is Wright State, by the way. I looked it up. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, shame on those kids. At least you know, kids who were in the class of you know, 2012, because. Uh, <laughs> not geography majors uh but as vince would say that's on me um the i start walking through campus and then i, I find like some uh maintenance guys who know what i'm talking about i'm like how, do you know where the nutter center is how do i get to the nutter center and it's like it's hot out you know it's a spring day but it's not like oppressive heat, but I'm walking in a full suit, in dress shoes, pulling my luggage, and I am stressed. I'm freaking out. Yeah. And so then they send me down like a service road. So now I'm like walking, I'm alone on a service road, like pulling this bag on like, like this gravel. I, it, it, was, it was ridiculous. And so I, I finally, I call, uh, I think I called Zach and uh, he was a writer's assistant at the time. And I'm like, I tell him what's going on. He goes, yeah, no, no, Vince isn't here yet. No, you're good. And I'm like, we're getting close to like, the, the meeting was supposed to start an hour ago. And the only thing I have going for me is that 
most weeks Vince shows up for the production meeting two or three hours late. Exactly. And so I finally, you just never know. That was, that was the fear. It's like the week that I'm running late is going to be the week he's on time. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why you were stressed because if you're late for the production meeting, that's it. It's a wrap. Yeah. You're done, pal. You're done. (laughs) So uh, I finally come out of like this thicket (laughs) and and finally, I'm in a parking lot, and I look, and I'm like, all right, this must be it. And I look, I am in the park. I'm not even exaggerating. I am in, I look at, like, the light posts. I am in section double Z. <laughs> and I have to walk the entire parking lot to get to the... Re- I, I Googled it once I got there. I walked two miles out of my way. The arena is across the street from this hotel. I don't know how I missed it. Oh, that's outstanding. <laughs> oh. That's all anyone kept saying. They were like, oh, you'll just be able to walk across the street. It's right there. So I finally get up to the arena and I think the first person I saw was Michael Hayes. Oh, God. And he, and he looks at me and he just goes, oh, my God, did it just start raining? <laughs> and i'm like because i am drenched i am soaked oh, i remember soaked to the bone and i'm like no michael i i don't know what happened i got lost <laughs> i just walked two miles to get here <laughs> and we ride up in the elevator together and he cannot stop laughing at me it's unbelievable he cannot stop laughing at me he's just like oh my god what what? How did you do? It's across the street. It's across the street, man. <laughs> so we get into the production meeting, and um, Vince is not there, but everybody's looking at me. I remember, like, just all the producers are there. I, th- I think KD was even there, too. And, like, everybody's looking at me like, what happened to you? And so uh, and Dave's like, man, you got to stand up and tell the room what the hell happened, dude. <laughs> So I tell everybody what happened. I mean, on the floor laughing at me. And then enough time went by and like Zach's just like feed me napkins and like I dried off. And then finally, by the time Vince got there, I looked normal again. Yeah. And then Ed or whoever was like, he's like, honestly, Matt, it would have been better if you had walked in and the production meeting was already going on and Vince was sitting there because you would have gotten over. <laughs> you would have walked in looking like you got hit by a hurricane and you're like i'm here and he's like oh he's like vince would have laughed his ass off for weeks at you oh my god and you know what that was ed of course you're referring to ed kosky uh uh yeah he would have uh he's right vince would have marked out for that he because yeah if you had just walked in or anybody like we said earlier like if you missed the if you're late for the production meeting you're out but that would be right. just a normal I overslept or whatever. Right. Somebody walks in, oh crap, I'm a minute late. But yes, you walking in drenched the way you were. Yeah. <laughs> Vince would have he would have marked out so much for that. There's no question about it. Would have loved it. Yeah. Yep. Well. <sighs> Dayton, Ohio. I swear to God. Always remember. Always remember. All right, well, we're going to take, that's a perfect place to catch our breath uh, and and take a quick break. And we'll be back with more with Matt McCarthy right after this. 
I'm Maynard the Malt Maker. I'm Mega the Bard. I'm Ender the Barbarian. I'm Santi the Bard. And I'm Tia the Wizard. And if you want to see us try to attempt to rob a boat, check out Roleplay of Honor. Join these stars and more for Roleplay of Honor. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Matt McCarthy. I think I've uh, regained my composure from laughing from that last uh, that last classic, classic story about the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. Always remember Dayton, Ohio. Uh, so, Matt, I know that you always have a lot going on uh, career-wise, which is great for an actor. You are a you are a busy actor, which is is outstanding. So, uh, what do you have going on these days? Um. Well, we. Uh, I. Uh, mm, I wonder what I can talk about and what I can't. I mean, what can you talk about publicly? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, I've mentioned, I'll put it this way. I've mentioned a couple of, uh, you know, videos that I've done with, uh, with Pete Holmes. And um, we're actually, we just did a couple of uh, videos again for the first time in a long time. And uh, it was, you know, it's like a hand into a glove. It was just like riding a bike. You know, it's just, we actually, it was, I was in about four hours of makeup and uh, had to wear contact lenses to make my eyes a different color, which is something I've, I've never worn contacts at all. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was a whole thing. You can imagine four hours of makeup. And then um, we did a, we're basically, we were doing a, I'm trying to not to give away the bit, but at any rate, we, we've done a thing in the past where Pete is uh, like the head of HR for like Street Fighter, the video game. And um, he talks to, you know, recognizable characters from that franchise. And so we did something uh, in that world, not Street Fighter, but Pete works for HR and he's dealing with characters in a very well-known franchise. And uh, I, I know fans of the products are going to go ape for these videos and are going to love them. Um, but as far as the shoot went, I mean, it was like, it was a long day. I spent most of it in a makeup chair and we saved mine for last. And when I walked in the set, I could tell that Pete was tired. He'd been doing, you know, just setup after setup with other actors. And then as soon as I sat down, it was like, it was like I hadn't been in makeup for half the day. He hadn't been working with half the day. And it was just, it was like we both had a pot of coffee and just riffing and laughing. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. It's, it's just, you know, it's one of these, um, it's just one of these tag teams to put it in, in our world that just these two guys work well together. So it was, it was great to be doing something again with Pete. And it's just like, it's easy. It's so easy to, you know, know where the, the other guy is about to go type of thing. Um, so doing that, I mean, I, I got to do, I don't know how much longer I'll get the chance to do it, but uh, I got brought in to do uh, a sketch on Conan. Um, very well might've been the last time I, I'm going to be there. That show on TBS is coming to an end. And when the, um, the show on HBO Max starts that Conan's doing next. I don't quite know what it's going to be, if there's going to be a place for sketch comedy for a guy like me to perform on. But uh, 
that's a place that was always really good to me. And it was weird, you know, not normally that showed tapes at uh, the Warner Brothers studios. And when the pandemic started and, you know, guys like Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel and whatnot were shooting in their, uh, you know, living rooms, uh, uh, Conan started shooting at a uh, comedy theater in West Hollywood called uh, uh, Largo. And so I actually, with the vaccine and things starting to ease up in LA, I actually got invited to a live, you know, sketch at Largo. Up until this point, it was either, you know, the sketch is a Zoom meeting or they actually would send me a script and be like, shoot this sketch by yourself on your phone. And we trust you enough. We're going to have, you know, a, somebody from costumes come by and drop off a costume on your front door. Somebody from props come by and drop off props on your front door and shoot this sketch and send us the file. It's just like, this is beyond bizarre. So it was, it was wild again, seeing, you know, Conan and Andy and the whole crew and stuff, or at least, you know, a much more skeleton crew because it's a smaller place, but yeah. So getting to do some of that and, uh, you know, I got, uh, I, I, I shot two commercials right before uh, the world ended. One was the progressive spot and one was another one that I definitely signed stuff and I can't talk about. And I've been waiting and waiting <laughs> for that commercial to start running. And with things opening up again and people being able to put it this way, go to like theme parks and whatnot, uh, that spot should be able to start running soon. Hopefully knock on wood, you know, but um and then, you know, just constantly going on auditions and things are opening up again in town and like with stand up. So that should open the door. But I was able, I actually recorded it at the end of 2019 and I was able to release it during quarantine. I have a stand up CD. It's not, well, I mean, you call it a CD, but it's not pressed on CD, but you can listen to it digitally anywhere that you listen to, to music or comedy. Uh, so it's called Sober Dad, Matt McCarthy. It's, uh, it's about an, uh, 45 minutes or an hour of comedy that I'm really proud of and put a lot of work into. And so, yeah, it'll be nice to start performing live again soon. It's, it's going to be weird. It's weird enough just seeing people and like shaking hands. I was like, Oh gosh, but you know, it's, it's wild. That, that was pretty much part of the job at WWE was, you know, that's the two, the three things, you know, your job is to do everyone else's job. Our job is to put smiles on people's faces. And then the unspoken one was your job is to shake everyone's hand that you see backstage. You know, I'd like to think that since we've, you know, come out of this pandemic or we're coming out of it now that maybe we would reassess the whole handshaking thing. Like, do we really need to shake? Is it necessary? I mean, really? Is what it? does it mean? Why are we doing that? Yeah. It's just that was the that that was the great thing. Like the last job I was on, it was like you know, we're all vaccinated or partially vaccinated, but we're still getting tests and stuff. And it's like somebody would come over and be like, "Hey, this is so and so a producer," or "Hey, this is so and so the head of such and such." And I'm like, "Cool, hey, how's it going? Good to meet you." And it's like, why would we grab onto each other? <laughs> what is that? Right. I don't know where this other person's hand has been. I can probably imagine where it's been. Right. Know? And it's nowhere bump. good. It's nowhere good. You know, hey, maybe could we just do a fist bump or maybe a, what about a nod? Do we, ha do we have to touch skin to skin yeah. at all? Can we, can we just look at each other in the eye? Is that not, that is more intimate than anything else we could possibly need to do? 100%. <laughs> and 
And I never real, and I don't even have a problem with it. And I've never been like a germ guy, but like once I realized, like, oh, we don't have to shake hands, I was like, well, this is nice. Yes, I like I like this better. Yes, me too. Well, let me. You mentioned uh, Conan O'Brien. I know you've done a lot of work with Conan, but uh, you have something in common with my first guest today, Dan Housen, uh, who also has a, a connection with with Conan. He was uh, he was on Conan's Conan needs a fan. Now that's not something. I mean, you can't even say that, right? That you were on his podcast. So Dan Housen's got one on you. Yeah, and, I, so and what, I'm not happy about it. Well, what what is your take? Because uh, I know you follow all wrestling. Well, yeah. What is your take on Danhausen and uh, how he's really? It's 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 been incredible how he's really like on his own, kind of carved out this niche for himself. No, absolutely. He's a guy that. Um, because you know, like you mentioned up top, I'm, I, I host the We Watch Wrestling podcast, and uh, one of the things that we love is going to live shows, and not just you know the big shows, but smaller shows. And if, and if we can travel to, we're very blessed in SoCal. We get a lot of wrestling shows that we can go to, and when we travel and do our podcast live it's almost always in conjunction with a live wrestling show. And I tell you, man, when this virus started, all I kept saying was my, my, my prayers before bed were always, God, please let this thing clear up before WrestleMania. Please just let me, just let me go to Florida because it's, and it's not even going to, mania it's going to all the other shows that week and weekend yeah, especially um, especially super card of honor right of course of course absolutely um we had our tickets we had man i still i have tickets to shows that never happen some promoters were kind enough to say all right the show's not happening here take your money back other promoters were uh hey maybe uh i'll just keep this money <laughs> so you know <clears throat> but ring of honor was one of the fine people who were like hey you can have this money back we're not doing the show that's right um not the case with some other <laughs> some other folks but my point of saying all of that was we are always being told of talent to look out for and people that across the country who listen to our show are always giving us a heads up on here's someone who's making waves in our town. And the name we kept hearing more than anyone else was Danhausen. And that week was going to be the first chance uh, me and my co-host Vince Averill were going to have to see him live. Um, and that was actually truly one of the biggest bummers because i'm like i'm all in for like anything pro wrestling but like anything horror movie and in particular you know this um like the horror movie host type thing you know of you know the sven ghoulies or the or the whatevers i mean even if you like you look at somebody like that we used to see all the time in SoCal, Shotzi Blackheart. If you scroll back through on her Instagram, she's like 
probably the biggest horror movie fan you could imagine. And she's like, I wanted to be a horror movie host <laughs> before I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And then the fact that Danhausen is doing both of those things at once, it's like, it's just... <sighs> Honestly, whenever somebody says to me, and I'm sure you get this as well, how, how'd you get that job? How do, you, how do you write for WWE? And I mean, I give like a typical answer of like, well, and, and we both had very different paths to that job. You know, you, you went into journalism and, right. and wound up in wrestling through that. And then I, you know, had more of a TV writing background. And so my suggestion is always either the flat, you know, well, move to LA or, or New York. New York probably is better because it's closer to Stanford and just start getting TV internships and just try to get some writing credits and production experience because that's what they're interested in more than anything is people who know how to actually do the job and obviously you're already a wrestling fan because you are interested in working for the product. But the real genuine answer that I gave, which I found is how I got the job was always be honest about what it is you love, you know, cause I, I, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I wasn't as forthcoming about being a wrestling fan as I am now. And the reason that I was able to get that, not get the job. I mean, I got the job because of my experience and my knowledge and, you know, what I was able to offer to, to the E, but like the reason that I was aware of the opportunity is because I was honest with everybody that I knew in like the comedy world. Like people just knew, Oh, McCarthy's the wrestling fan. Right. And so when they started reaching out, you know, WWE's HR started reaching out, like we're looking for comedy writers who know wrestling. I must have, after the first person told me about the job listing, I must have gotten it like six or seven more times from people. They're like, oh, dude, this would be perfect for you. Because I was always honest about what it is I love. And I think that that's true for any performer um, to tap into that thing that, that makes you you. You know, and part of that can be your interests, you know, um, because it's 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 a way that we connect with the world. And I think that Danhausen has such a. The reason that it works is because it's so genuine. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. And it's just like this is clearly done. It's it's just like my friend Pat Walsh has a great podcast uh, with Joe DeRosa called We'll See You in Hell. And Pat was just uh, doing a review of Young Frankenstein. And he was. uh talking about what makes that movie work so well is it is such a loving tribute to those first two Frankenstein movies. Um, because it's just all the best stuff is based in honesty. You know, all the best comedy is based in honesty. All the best wrestling is based in reality, in that honesty of like, no, this is, this is what would really happen. You know, this is what I... Because it was, I think it was also Pat was doing a, a a review of, you know, Willy Wonka and how he's like, he I, I feel like he miscategorized Gene Wilder's performance where he's like, you know, it's such a broad, like big performance. And oddly enough, this morning I woke up and my wife and my son were watching that movie and I came in and I'm watching and I was like, no, I, this reaffirms what I always thought. I was like, that is a very grounded performance. He's playing it like he really is this guy. Even when he gets big and loud, I'm like, I still believe it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, and so like, even with like Danhausen, like it's like, it's such a far out thing, but at no point do I not believe that he believes, 
you know that that was the first thing i learned in comedy like my first not even just my first year like my first month was somebody pointed out they were like you ever watch taxi and i was like sure i love taxi he's like christopher lloyd's character uh reverend jim he's like that character would say crazy stuff and you knew that it was crazy stuff but it wasn't funny because he was saying crazy stuff it was funny because you believed he believed that's the key to it all you know that is very profound and very i got goosebumps just saying it myself kevin me too Uh, so you mentioned your podcast, uh, we watch wrestling. Uh, I noticed that you are now over 400 episodes, this yes. is episode 60 of the ROH strong podcast. I thought that was a big deal until I saw that, you know, you've done four over 400 episodes of your podcast. So I've got a long way to go to come up to your standard, but, uh, very popular podcast. But for those people out there listening now who, you know, maybe they are living under a rock and aren't familiar with it, just in a nutshell, tell us how We Watch Wrestling is unique. Uh, really, it's not like any other wrestling podcast out there. There's, there's a million wrestling podcasts, but I don't think there's any quite like We Watch Wrestling. Uh, no, I would agree with that. I mean, when we started, <clears throat> excuse me, when we started, um, it, it, the, the playing field was very thin, you know? I mean, like, Cabana was doing his thing, um, and now it's like, God, there's so many clones now of, of his show, of just, you know, wrestler doing interviewing people. Um, the other things were just either news-based or, you know, it felt like people were trying to be, I don't know, Opie and Anthony or something. Right. Um, and and the production value wasn't there. It just and the, my and you can't find a bigger wrestling fan than me. And I wasn't interested in listening listening to like you know anything outside of you know Boom Boom's show. So it was like I think what I wanted was a conversation, but I also wanted a celebration because it felt like God, there was just so much negativity. And it felt like when people were a fan of something that somehow that meant that all they were going to do was complain about it, you know? And so I wanted to at least do something where it was like, let's talk about what it is we do like about this thing. And, you know, and it's easy, it's easy to fall into the trap of, well, this didn't work or like, why did they do this or blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I can fall into that, just as as easily as the next guy watching but uh, we've often tried to keep it in the realm of just just a conversation of what it's like to be a fan and and i mentioned the traveling before and like that's always been such a big part of the show you know like like we'll go to uh you know san francisco to see like a show at the cow palace and we'll do a live show in daily city and you know the the, the next episode of, of of our podcast the next issue of our podcast like that's what we're going to talk about like i'm like i'm less concerned with you know who went over where it's going i mean i'm, I'm interested in that I, I love discussing that but i also love just talking about like man we saw <laughs> we saw jeff cobb at chipotle <laughs> you know and he he was what was he eating i'm glad you asked he was eating like it definitely got the extra meat you know 
that type of thing. I mean, it's just it, 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 the the thing that bummed me out endlessly about Mania getting canceled was we always always get a table at WrestleCon. Uh, and we get listeners, fans, friends who come by, you know, maybe they want to buy a T-shirt, take a picture with us, whatever. But really, it's just an opportunity to sit there and watch because there is nothing better than watching wrestlers uh, interact with each other, interact with fans, just in regular, normal, daily life. I mean, I remember the first WrestleCon we went into uh, uh Terry Funk and Shane Douglas were sharing a Gatorade. And I just remember seeing this and thinking, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I have no idea why I, I'm so struck by this, but this is <laughs> just, the, just watching them pass it back and forth. And so then, um, I mean, some other times we're like sitting there. Um, the greatest was, uh, <laughs> the, the greatest was um, we had a table next to MVP one year. And there's this guy who's like, MVP is very outspoken, uh, very left-leaning politically. And there's a guy who is like a Trump guy who we came to find out will keep an eye on MVP's schedule and just show up <laughs> wherever MVP is like signing autographs to debate politics with him. <laughs> so we got to witness that firsthand. Uh, the next table down was Tony Atlas. And at one point, a fan brought Tony Atlas um, a, a styrofoam container of chitlins. And Tony was beyond, over the moon. He could not believe that somebody was so thoughtful and so kind as to bring him a styrofoam container of chitlins. So kids, if, you're, if you ever know where Tony Atlas is going to be, this is how you can make his day. He would not shut up about it. He kept saying, so, this guy brought me chitlins. Look at this, MVP, this guy brought me chitlins. You know, and this was the only thing that would have made Tony happier: a woman in high heels stepping on his face. That's the only. <laughs> <laughs> this was the line of the week. Uh, this is what MVP says to him. MVP is just standing there, staring off, like looking across the entire you know room at the convention center. Doesn't even look at Tony Atlas, standing with his arm crossed, and he says, "And I quote: Can I swear on this podcast?" Uh, you could swear. We'll probably bleep it, though, but go ahead. We'll get the point. All right. You'll get the point. Uh, I'm, I'm about to say the S word, just, just for everybody who's about to hear a bleep. He, he, MVP just looks he, – he doesn't even look at Tony Adams. He just goes, Tony, throw that shit away, Tony. <laughs> said, said his name twice. He bookended it. Bookended it. <laughs> Tony, throw that shit away, Tony. <laughs> it was – this is what I love about pro wrestling. This is what our podcast is about. It's about those small moments. You know, the first time we went to a, um, a wrestling show out in Baldwin Park, we were like, like at a, a, an American Legion post out there. Teeny, teeny, tiny men's room. And we go in and somebody was blowing up the, uh, the stall. And sure enough, it was the Swolverine, Brian Cage. And then he came out and he did, let me tell you, a surgical scrub at that sink. This was the crux of our conversation for a week at the We Watch Wrestling podcast about how, you know what? Absolutely. Brian Cage has to be the kind of guy that would, like he's washing his hands up to his elbows because he is a considerate young man. 
So there's a guy you wouldn't mind shaking his hand because you've, you've Absol- absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's those little things, those little moments. I'll tell you one of the, tell a quick story. Uh, were, were you still with the company? My timelines are kind of all mixed up. You know, the years run together. Were sure. you there the weekend that um, it was WrestleMania weekend, Dolph Ziggler, won the title like the next night after Mania. Were you still – were you with us at that point? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Okay, but were you aware of how much Pat Patterson was – Oh, well, oh, absolutely. It Dolph? should be Dolph. It should be Dolph. They give Dolph that people go banana. Oh, so, there's a little girl on the show. It should yeah. be Dolph. That's right. I think that was in reference to A.J. Lee, wasn't it? He was looking at the, yeah, he's looking at the card, and he's like, who is this A.J. Lee? What is this? Like, well, that's the Divas match. There's a little girl on the show. <laughs> it should be Dolph. Dolph is not on the show. <laughs> oh, boy, yes. Pat. Dolph was, uh, was Pat's favorite guy, constantly pushing for Dolph to win the, win the title. And so I, I had a, I'm hoping I'm telling this story right, because like I said, the, 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 the dates and all kind of runs together, but I think Dolph was in a title match at WrestleMania uh, or he had the, he had the money in the bank. That's what it is. Right. He had the money in the bank briefcase and Pat was pitching and pitching and pitching. Let Dolph cash in at WrestleMania and the people will go banana. And Vince just shut it down. Vince just over and over because Dolph was not Vince's favorite guy. And uh, and so no. and, it, and it got to the point where Pat was pitching it to the point where now he's hurting Dolph's, Dolph's chances. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, a writer's assistant at the time, a guy named Johnny Russo, who God bless him, he is still working for WWE. He home. Yeah, he home. Mm-hmm. Johnny Russo. <laughs> he, he's he's as I like to say the good Russo in wrestling. <laughs> I love Agent Johnny, Johnny Russo. As far as wrestling writers go, Johnny Russo, the good Russo, no relation to the other guy. But so WrestleMania weekend, we are, uh, Johnny Russo and I are out at a restaurant, um, you know, getting some dinner or whatever. Here comes Pat. Pat walks in, you know, looking like Pat. Pat always like sometimes didn't comb his hair. I'd say Pat was just at the point where like he didn't give a crap anymore about combing his hair and things like that. You know, probably smoking a cigarette. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think this – was this, was this Mania 28? Was this in Miami? See, I think so, but the, the, see the numbers yeah. run together, but I, that sounds right. Because so, then it was also – because that was – this was – you want to talk about stroke. The, it, it, Pat Patterson is the only person that I saw openly smoking cigarettes because anybody else had to run and hide because Vince would be furious and potentially fire them on the spot. Pat was openly smoking cigarettes in the arena, <laughs> inside, backstage. That's right. I remember one time Pat walked into a production meeting and Vince just looked at him. Or, you know, he would always hug, right? Everybody got a handshake, but Vince would hug. Right. And Vince was like, ah, you smell like cigarettes. But anyway, so we're at this restaurant, me and Johnny Russo. Here comes Pat. Pat recognizes us. Hey, guys, what's going on? And he goes, you know what? I think tomorrow Dolph should go over. He should buy the briefcase. He should cash it in and the people will go banana. But Vince, he won't listen. And, and he was getting animated and loud. And this is like the night before Mania, I think. Whatever it was, Mania, it hadn't happened yet. And, mm. and Pat was very demonstrative and going on. And the, the restaurant was packed and full of wrestling fans. 
And I was just thinking, like, we're giving away something here, right? Like, right. everybody's going to be waiting for Dolph to cash in tomorrow night or, or whatever. But, yeah, that was uh, – that's something I will never forget is Johnny Russo and I just sitting there and Pat for, like, it must have been 10 or 15 minutes just telling us why Dolph needs to cash in. Uh, but, but Vince, he won't listen. He won't listen. <laughs> that does ring a bell absolutely back to we watch wrestling for a second is it part of the appeal of the show that as you mentioned there's it's you and two other guys that you and and one other guy are like wrestling aficionados and then the other guy is kind of like seeing all this through your eyes right like he's not a wrestling guy right and he never became a wrestling guy and he wound up quitting the show about two years ago well, geez, that's um, how much I listen lately, doesn't it? No, but it's but that's that's quite all right. It, but it is uh, so now. It, it so then after that happened, we were like, "Well, gosh, do we keep doing the show?" You know, that was kind of our ace in the hole. That it's like, it's not just too, you know. You're always hearing it from either people who are present themselves as experts, or at the very least are, are just very knowledgeable and have been watching it a long time. And we, I always felt like, well, this is, this is one of the things that makes our show so unique is we have a guy who's, he just started watching wrestling when we started doing this show. Um, and then after years of <laughs> politely putting up with it, <laughs> finally was able to admit to himself and to everyone else, you know, I, 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 this isn't for me, so I'm just going <laughs> to move on. And so the, the show has very much changed into, because me and Vince were like, well, do we keep doing the show? And, and I was like, well, I'm still going to keep watching wrestling and I'm going to still be talking to you about it. So we may as well record it. <laughs> and, that's, and it's taken on a, the dynamic has very much changed. Um, and, and frankly, for the better, because there is just, uh, it's, it's, much, it's a much more, intimate conversation with the audience because there's no um there's no uh explaining things filter in between you know uh we still get a lot of new fans who listen a lot of people who are constantly saying gosh we we would have never found out about this promotion or this show without you guys or like we're always really excited and encouraging people to just like go like they're there is wrestling happening in your town right now. You know, go, go support these people. Like go find out, like somebody's doing something exciting. You know, you get to be a part of it. Um, you know, it's just, it was, it's always one of these things where like, it's, it's like with music or with comedy or, 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 or wrestling for that matter. You know, you're like, where, where, where did this guy come from? You know, it's just like, who, who is this? How did you already know? It's just like, it's that classic thing of like, it basically takes you 10 or 12 years to make it overnight, you know? Yeah. And you get to be a part of that early development of an artist, you know? It's just, uh, it's, it's just wild. It's just absolutely, it's one of my favorite things in the world. And so it's just, that's the thing with the show is where we, we don't get to travel anymore. I mean, that, that's going to change this summer. Uh, and we've got some exciting announcements coming up, but like so much of the show, we didn't want to just be like, well, we watched this and now we're going to recap it. You know, it's just like, ah, that's, everybody's doing that. Why do I, you know? And so we were like, well, let's supplement 
the the you know the the hole that we're kind of left with of we're not going to live shows anymore and experiencing that and talking about you know what we got to eat and who we saw and the things we overheard so it's like let's just start watching let's just start watching mid south so since like last year we've been working our way through uh mid south wrestling starting at the beginning of 84 and now we're almost done with summer of 85 and as you mentioned we just celebrated 400 issues of our of our podcast and some of our listeners uh pulled their money <laughs> and got me and Vince uh replica belts of the mid south tag titles oh, that's so awesome. now i'm I'm a proud, in the, in the lineage of DiBiase and Dr. Death, Mr. Wrestling 2, Magnum TA, and now there was Vince Averill and Matt McCarthy. That's right. Getting yelled at by the cowboy saying that we can't draw flies in Shreveport. <laughs> that is outstanding. But, it's, it's, but I tell you, what it's done is it's reinvigorated this you know, like, I can't wait to go to conventions again and seek out some of these, you know, if, if some of these guys who were working around that time, you know, are still around. It's just like, I mean, like, it was bad enough that Butch Reed passed away just because one of the all-time greats. But on a personal, selfish level, I was really keyed up to go to a convention and take a picture with Butch Reed because I've been watching him just destroy Mid-South, you know? It's just like, you know, it's one of these things where it's just like, there's no, it's just, it's all, there's no old wrestling. It's just fans who haven't seen it yet, you know? So it's just like, whether it's like, there's just so much to enjoy about this art form. I just, I can never... I can never repay that debt enough of the joy that it's given me and in every aspect of it is from, you know, watching a match that has literally brought me to tears to, you know, just seeing uh, Bob Backlund <laughs> scream at Bill after, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, just hearing somebody yelling, just going like, Oh God, somebody's taking a picture with Bob Backlund on the other side of the hall. <laughs> it's just the best. You know, we were sitting there at, at a different WrestleCon where um, uh, where we were sitting in the middle of a hallway where on one end was Scott Hall signing stuff and on the other end was Jake Roberts signing stuff. And we saw and we're like, gosh, I think that was Davey Boy Smith Jr. Like Harry Smith just went by looking really angry. And then he went by the other way. We're like, ah, he's, now he's going the other direction. And we heard commotion. Came to find out that we didn't realize we were witnessing him confronting Scott Hall about bad things that he said about the British Bulldog and Scott Hall being like, eh, hey, man, uh, uh, no disrespect to you. I take it back, man. And then him marching down to see Jake the Snake and Jake the Snake saying, I don't I stand by what I said. Your old man sucked. And then <laughs> Harry Smith throwing coffee on him. Right. And we're there. We were there for that whole commotion. I remember and that. Then, I remember that. And we didn't even know. And, and then, like later, we were talking to one of Jake's daughters and uh, and her husband. And her husband likes listening to our show and was just like, "Hey, you guys are great." That's <laughs> awesome. just to be a part of it all, Kev. Yes. To be a part of history in the making. Be ingrained in the fabric of professional wrestling is uh, is something. I else. mean, there's just nothing better. There's no, you question. know, 
Well, this is a uh, ROH podcast, the ROH Strong Podcast. So we got we to gotta obviously squeeze in some Ring of Honor here. I know that you've been a longtime fan. Uh, what are some of the, the, I guess, the memories or the moments that kind of stand out for you uh, as far as being a Ring of Honor fan, uh, again, in the past? And I know you're also, you, you were a big fan of the Pure Tournament as well, correct? I think that that was hands down the best usage of the no fans era that anybody did, you know? I mean, like, uh, it, it was interesting seeing some people put, you know, wrestlers in the crowd, other people put, you know, TV sets in the crowds. Um, but like having the place be empty and stay empty, it's like everything is an opportunity. You know, nothing, nothing is a hindrance. Everything is an opportunity. You know, they, they, they say uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. It's just, but like, you know, and I have a friend who used to have a joke. He's like, well, poverty is the father. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was a, it's like, okay, there's no fans here. How do we make that work? And that was, nobody did that better than with the pure tournament. Because it's like, this is the kind of wrestling you do with no one there. You know, I remember... I remember um I remember once uh my friend I, I actually it was Vince, it was Vince Averill, who who I did the We Watch Wrestling podcast with, was like he's like, you know, I get a kick out of the, you know Zach Ryder's character, but it's just like, you know, once the bell rings, he's just in there and I'm like, I just don't dig on the way the guy wrestles. And I'm like, yeah, but that character, like that guy, Zach Ryder, that is how that guy would wrestle. You know, you, 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 you don't expect like the meathead broski from the, the beaches of Long Island to then go in there and do like, you know, a Dynamite Kid five-star classic. It's like, no, he's got he's to wrestle like a meathead. Right. And he was like, he's like, Matt, that was one of the greatest gifts you could give me. It completely opened up the way I watch everything in wrestling. And I think the pure tournament was like, that's exactly how you wrestle with nobody there. And it's, like, it's almost like they would do that, that type of wrestling a disservice to have people there screaming and, and, and chanting and banging stuff because it's like we are at the most base, and to coin a phrase, pure level of this art form, of this combat, you know? It's two men in there, and, it's, and it, it becomes less of a fight and more of a, like, a... It, it's more of like a mathematical, uh, you know, challenge of just like it, it, it truly becomes like scientific in nature at that point. As Gordon Soley would say, uh, human chess, right? Exactly. And it's and, it, and the silence added to it. Like it like talk about drawing you in, you know, I mean, more, how many how many matches do we watch for like? wow, this is all right, but the crowd is really hot, so now I'm getting really into it. This is the exact opposite, to be wrestling in a vacuum. And it's like, I am drawn in like I'm like watching high drama, because I am. I'm watching high drama. This is, this is like, you know, you're at the point now where like you're, 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 you're stripping it down to like, this is like a black box theater putting on an intense play. 
You know, it's it's like suddenly we're we're watching Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, like these <laughs> these characters bearing their souls. Oh my God, I was I was I was enthralled by that. Loved it, loved it. It was one of those things where I was like, I, I'm going to be sad when fans are back. <laughs> you know, that's good. That like that's like talk like that's that's pro wrestling. You know, work them into enjoying what 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 they're seeing, you know? It's like, make me want more of this. God damn. So as, far, yeah. as far as the, uh, you know, the history uh, of Ring of Honor, see, I know when you came into WWE, a lot of the writers, um, they were WWE fans or WCW fans. I don't think there was a lot of knowledge of like some of the indies or Ring of Honor, but you were the exact opposite. You came in and you were one of those guys who was like, a wrestling encyclopedia and you knew all about you didn't just know Daniel Bryan you knew Bryan Danielson and you knew CM you knew the summer of punk you didn't just know the the what was that called the pipe bomb promo on raw like you knew the history of those guys so I mean you were like an old school ring of honor fan right yeah absolutely it was one of those things too where I was um I was honestly trying to avoid it for the longest time um and just watch wwe and just collect dvds of the old stuff and when uh when me and vince Averill became friends um you know I, I i refer to him as the the wrestling encyclopedia because he he just knew all the he knew international stuff and indie stuff and uh behind the scenes stuff that i was just I always equated my approach to wrestling at that time as like, I felt like Michael Corleone and Godfather three, where I just didn't want to be pulled back in or like pulled in deeper. And the first ring of honor show we went to together was uh, glory by honor nine uh, in New York, um, September 11th, 2010. I believe it was I believe it was Tyler Black's uh last show and got to see Terry Funk. He was seconding. Um got to see like my favorite, the Kings of Wrestling. Uh I mean Christopher Daniels, of course, the King of the Indies. Uh all sorts of people on that show. My my dear close personal friend Colt Cabana. Um <laughs> But uh, that was like, honestly, I think in my head, I was, um, I think I, I think in my mind, Ring of Honor, until I actually started watching it, I thought was, I, th I thought it was joyless. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was, oh, well, this is for smart fans who, um, know too much and can't be um taken in with pro wrestling you know if that makes sense yeah um and that show i couldn't have been more wrong you know if anything it was the exact opposite it was everything that i enjoyed about wrestling it was everything and more you know it was everything and I think it was the moment that Truth Martini came out where I was like, wait, how can, how can, but everybody's 
uh, you know, smart and bitter wrestling fans here, right? Everybody's, uh, you know, too smart for their own good. How can you have a, you know, larger than life broad uh, manager who's, you know, his name is Truth and he's got the book of truth and he has, you know, the most incredible hair I've ever seen on a human being in my life. Um, and, it was, and it was in that moment I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so then anytime uh, Ring of Honor was in New York, we were there uh, right up until I started working at, you know, WWE and um, then went back and I have a, an extensive DVD collection of, you know, uh, and, and tapes. Come on, VHS, give yeah. it to me. Um, of, you know, the, the, the guys who, you know, who were that company, uh, you know, over the last 20 years. Um, but I mean, it was just, you know, I, I, I remember the night, um, gosh, it was, was it uh, Best in the World or was it Manhattan Mayhem? It was one of those shows where the Briscoes came out and we didn't understand why they were being such jerks. And the crowd was really upset with them. And it wasn't until about 10, five, 10 minutes into it where suddenly it snapped in my head and I was like, oh, wait, they just turned heel. <laughs> and it was like, I didn't realize that. We're like, I remember seeing some interview with Raven once where he's like, it's the smart fans are the easiest ones to get. And when I turned to Vince, I go, oh, wait, they just turned heel. That's what happened. And we were both like, my God, we were so angry with them and we couldn't figure out why they were acting the way that they were. And it was just like, oh, please, more of that. More, just, just work me. That's all I want. That's all I want in the world. To, to you know, like Vince would always say, oh, you gotta take him for a ride. It's like, no, but really do. <laughs> would that, you really do that for me? Please. Was that, oh. after, was that after they lost to the All Night Express, I think? Is that what precipitated that? Um, you know what, that sounds right. Yeah. But it was just one of these things, I'm just like, and, the, and then, you know, I mean, the Briscoes, I could go on for days. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they are just, that was, the, that was the, it, I remember being at WWE and uh, like trying like for any, nobody to see what I was watching. But it was like, you know, Vince would send me, Vince Averill would send me, you know, Briscoe promos that they were putting up or like on the chicken farm or just, right. there was one where like they had an entire flock of chickens that died and they're, they're, they're they are, this, this is something you don't ever see in pro wrestling. Two wrestlers hauling dead chickens in the back of their truck and they're so angry that they had to put this whole flock down that now they're going to take it out on their opponents this Saturday and you got to be there to see it. <laughs> you know? Yes. You will only see that coming from Sandy Fork, Delaware. There is no oh, God in heaven. You know, it's just, it's just the greatest. It's just the greatest. Well, Matt, I could, uh, I could sit here and talk to you about wrestling for hours and hours, but we can't do that because uh, no. I know you have things to do. You probably have uh, meetings to take with agents and, auditions to go on, and <laughs> right. all that Hollywood stuff. Uh, but Matt, before I let you go, 
Um, anything you want to plug specifically? I mean, I know you're all over the place. Uh, social media, podcasts, websites. Plug away, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I'm on all social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, McCarthy Redhead. Uh, hit me up. Uh, listen to the We Watch Wrestling podcast. New issues drop every Wednesday. You know, I mean, if you listen to uh, Big Kev here, I'm sure you'd li- like listening to me and Vince Averill talk. And um, yeah, I got a stand-up uh, album that is uh, streaming wherever it is you listen to digital music, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Bandcamp, uh, wherever, Apple Music, called Sober Dad. And I have a about a 10 minute routine on that album uh, talking about what it's like to be a wrestling fan and, and deal with our detractors and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And answering the question of like, well, why am I a wrestling fan? People always ask that. So uh, I think, uh, I think y'all would dig on it. So, you know, check me out, Matt McCarthy. Matt, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate your time and uh, we should do this again. We should do this again at some point. We could, we really, I mean, we're two of the luckiest uh, SOBs in the world. We, we actually did used to talk about wrestling for hours, and they paid us for it. <laughs> we had to put up with a few headaches, uh, you know. Working, yeah, uh, working there, were, there, there were some cons on the list as well. There were pros, but there were cons, yeah. and uh, now the cons run professional wrestling, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I don't care what Triple H says. You are funny, my friend, and don't let anybody ever tell you anything. You think that's funny enough to be on Raw? <laughs> I thought you were the funny guy. Aren't you the funny guy? You're supposed to be funny. Why don't you go write it away? Go write it again. Oh, by the way, make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> uh, All right, God man. love him. Yes. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. Uh, and hey, I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH. Good stuff, Matt. Mm, such good. That's good. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't find the arena. <laughs> God damn it, pal. God damn it. We should use that. We'll have our truth or somebody. Zack Ryder can't find the arena. <laughs> God, that's such good. <laughs> it's probably what would have happened. You're right. It would it would have found its way into the script. Yeah, not about it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>